welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. Jesus can ride on our hearts. Come and sear our hearts. Marcus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that there will be an unveiling. I pray that lenses of unbelief would fall in the light of love, in the light of desire and passion. So Holy Spirit, I ask tonight that that your words would come and would melt down places of performance and striving. And Daddy, I'm asking that the heart of a good dad would be displayed through my words tonight. Daddy, we're just a people that long for the more of you. We long to keep moving and growing with you. So, Daddy, I just am asking that tonight that you would speak to our hearts where you long to take us to another level, that you long to break down some barriers. So, Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the paraclete, the one that teaches us all things. So, Holy Spirit, do what you do best tonight. We love you and we honor you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, Holy Spirit. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. It's kind of fun. So many of us are tracking together and we don't even know it. So that's a lot of fun. The Sarahs, Judy and myself, this morning, well, I think it started, did it start Tuesday? Did it start at prayer? Yeah, so it started in prayer and um, Shudi was uh, talking about a scripture that she had been reading. And I kind of laughed because that was the same passage that I was reading that morning. And so it was actually 1 John 5, which I've been in 1 John 4, um, which 1 John 5, 1 and 2, I would say it's more of a continuation of 4 because it's in the same line. But um so then today I read a word that she wrote, an experience she had, and it was out of 1 John 4, so it's the same passage. So I think that's a lot of fun. Um, I asked her if she could come up and just share from her experience of what she has personally encountered before um, I give what I'm going to say, because I think that 
her experience actually paves the way for what I'm going to talk about tonight. So, Shu, do you want to come on up and share what you have? <sighs> yeah, so it was really incredible. Um, I kind of actually have to back it up to a week or two ago. Um, it was the morning that Pam sent out her last word. So it's amazing how I feel like even these prophetic words we're delivering are just like activating so much in us. It's just crazy. And so the last prophetic uh, word of encouragement that Pam sent was out of Joshua. And it was really powerful because I loved it. And I was like, yes, Jesus, my heart so aligns with this. I'm all about this. Let's do it. Let's do this Joshua passage and, you know, not allow any fear you know, to rule reign in me. And so I remember I was so like excited about it and passionate and I was in the car and just thinking about it some more. And I said, I said to him out loud, I said, yes, Jesus, purge all the fear out of me. And the moment I said that, he said, fear is not in you, but it gets presented to you. And then instantly I started hearing all these scriptures that backed up that only what is inside of me is Jesus. Only what's inside of me is the Holy Spirit. Only what is inside of me is light. That is all that is within me. And so then he proceeded to tell me that there's a, there's a difference of what's in you versus what's around you. So the old pattern would be I would experience a fear that got presented to me, but then I would go searching within, trying to eradicate it out of me, but that was fruitless because it wasn't even in here. It was something out here that I just had to command it to go. And so all these, like I said, all these patches, passages came to mind of, you know, I did not give you the spirit of fear, First Timothy, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. And so I'm just telling you that everything even in scripture backs up that there is zero trace of, of fear in us. That's why he's, and that's why the commandment is so simple. Just do not be afraid. Because fear will try to present itself to you. But when it's right there, you just tell that thing to go. And then it just totally eliminates, like I said, just this searching and trying to go in here and be like, well, yeah, well, I have this fear, have that fear. He said, I remember he actually told me years ago, this has been an encounter and experience in the making for years. But I remember it first started with him saying, don't own and say, yeah, this is my fear. You know, we can so easily be like, yeah, I have a fear of snakes. Yeah, I have a fear of this or that, I have a fear of this. And he said, stop identifying and naming them like their children or something like, you don't even actually own and say that I have this. That's not for you. And so it started then, but it's just been unfolding and how he's been revealing more and more that he said, you are not a house divided. Love and fear cannot both live in you, period. Love and fear cannot both exist. And so the moment we said yes to Jesus, he came into my life Every bit of that, I am completely clean from the inside. I am only full of light. I am only full of love. And so that is a game changer when we learn how to actually take dominion of fear. And when the spirit of fear presents itself, we can actually see it in operation out here. 
it's not in here. But for so long, he tries to get us so captivated in here. And he's like, no, 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 here is good. Here's the safe place. This is the peace zone. And so go out there and release it out and around you and take dominion out here. And you'll be able to even see so clearly where fear is trying to present itself to others. <laughs> and so it really is all about, like we've been saying, being watchmen and taking dominion where we see it trying to present itself and actually influence people. But see, that's our role is that we get to say, nope, that will not influence this. That cannot stay there. That cannot happen there. And we speak that to go. We just command it to go. So that was a really huge game changer for me. Yes! So good. So good. Well, I'm going to be talking about love tonight. So you can see how love and fear, those two things, they cannot be. They cannot be together. Um, you know, just a little snapshot into, you know, where I've been or what, what I've been thinking about. You know, I've mentioned it a couple times, but, um, you know, I've been on this one passage of Scripture for, I don't know, maybe a couple months or something. I don't haven't kept track, but um, I haven't traveled outside that. Um, maybe a couple times and then for tonight to study. But um, I can honestly say that uh, I don't really exactly know what he's doing. I, I know that um, it feels like, you know, a kaleidoscope. And whenever you look into it, there's so many different facets of it. I think that's really what... Um, I think that's what it's doing for me personally. Um, you know, the topic of love, um, you know, it's been talked about, it's been written about, it's been killed over, it's been fought over, it's, you know, it's it's a huge thing, but, you know, people go to great lengths to have it, and, um, you know, it it's something that... Uh, it's something that I think that the church of today is really desperate for. You know, I think the reason why unbelief and fear is so rampant in the church is because there's not a solid foundation of love. And, you know, even, even the viewpoint of Jesus and who Jesus is somehow... In our culture, it's been watered down so much, and I'm not necessarily saying here, although there may be some, but I'm not pointing fingers or anything. But I think that um, we haven't had a healthy perspective of what love is actually doing for us and what the power of love wants to do through us. And... You know, love has so many different faces that um, it's really incomprehensible. You know, it it really is. I think even my words that I'm going to try to use, they, they fall so short. Because love was always meant to be experienced. Love was always meant to be um, 
felt, for it to be um, empowering, it's always meant to reflect the heart of God. It, um, you know, love is something that I think if we really, really fully knew the grasp, I, I so don't know the grasp. You know, I wish I did. I know I know a tiny portion. You know, I know that he's given me some greater dimensions. He's given me some other ways of viewing it. But I know that on this side of eternity, I won't ever know the fullness of love. And I think that we'll probably spend all of eternity experiencing it and um, laying hold of it and being felt by it and, and all that because God is love. And so he's inexhaustible. And so to think that we'll ever completely get it, I, I don't know. I think we'll spend all of eternity experiencing it. But, you know, I, I go back to, um, one, one encounter that I had with him. I've since had other encounters that have been extremely powerful, but I think this one marked me so much because it was really what gave me a marker for the first time in my life because I, I had a lot of, um, I had a lot of judgments in my life and, you know, so I think I in turn tended to look at God as somebody that would judge and, you know, just kind of be harsh to. And so I remember I was at church and I don't know what everybody else was doing. I think, I think the Holy Spirit was moving really strong throughout. I don't know. I was honestly, I don't know that I was even paying attention, but I remember I had, I got hit with this. It was just wave after wave. And it's like, I felt like I could be crushed. Like it felt like this. Uh, I don't even know how, I don't even know how to put words on it, but it was just wave after wave of this crushing feeling, but it was so good. It was amazing. But he, the Holy Spirit started telling me that that was just a tiny drop of his love because my physical man actually couldn't withstand the weight of his love. And so I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like, I don't feel like I can even stand. I can't imagine if that's just a drop of it. And so then that began the hunger, I think, to want to know the love of God because I didn't know it. Like I said, I had been raised in religion. I had been, you know, we were really much into, you know, just the rapture. And so my viewpoint was one of tribulation and just anger, you know, not a whole lot of love. And so I remember whenever he just kept touching me with love just over and over and just reaffirming how much he loved. And then, you know, I laugh, but I remember one time, um, I'm not even getting to what I was going to preach about. Anyway, that's okay. Um, I remember one time I was listening to a Christian radio station and they started talking about how we were supposed to love people with God's love. 
And I remember thinking, that is so stupid. Like, why would I want to love people? I mean, that was just where I was, you know, because like, I mean, I was, you know, I was hardened. I mean, I had obviously, I had accepted him as God, but as Lord and Savior in my life. But I, you know, I wasn't renewed very much. Okay. And so I remember thinking, ugh, people are so annoying. Like, why would I love them? Why would I want to love them? You know, fast forward to today, and I think I don't want anything else. I can honestly say that just with my whole heart that I want to learn to love him and love people more than anything else, more than doing miracles, more than more than anything. And I know that at the end of my days, that's what I want to be able to say is that I love people with my whole heart and I loved you. And so, you know, people know love. They really do. They know love. They know when they're being loved and they know when there's strings attached. They know when, you know, whenever they don't even have, you don't even have to use words, but your life so impacts them that they feel the transferring power of love. You know, that's what we're called to do. And I sense that, I sense God wanting to do this thing on the earth, but I feel like there's bookends to it. You know, like we're supposed to really, really hunger and crave for the miraculous. We're supposed to want, you know, Jesus said what to do. I don't have to review that. He said what to heal, to heal, give sight to the blind, all those things. That's supposed to be our mission. But there's this bookend that actually the word says it's number one. If you don't do anything else, love. You know, it's crazy is that here in I don't want to read that yet. But it says that, as a matter of fact, you know, you can perform all kinds of miracles. You can have a strong prophetic gift. You can move mountains with your faith. But if you didn't love, then it's pointless. See, Isn't it crazy that we, you know, he could have made it so that we couldn't have any gifts without love. 
He could have made it so that, no, before I give you any of this other stuff, I want you first to learn how to love. That's a logical mind. That's what my human brain thinks. Seems like it would have been a lot less painful on some people. But what he started talking to me about is since the miracles and the strong faith, all that is, it's inferior to love. See, that's the easy thing compared to love. If you want to do the easy thing, just focus on doing this stuff. But if you want to do the higher thing, if you want to do the higher thing, then you learn how to love. See, it it gets really twisted because I can promise you, I can promise you that what some of us think love is, is not love. See, Sometimes the reason that we love is because I'm expecting something in return. I, there's either a payoff for me, there's, um, maybe it's value, something in return. And so see, then love no longer is really love at that point. Love is something that you have to give up all rights to having anything back. How often do we, you know, this, I'm actually tying in with the Watchmen series. It doesn't sound like it yet, but I am because, see, the thing about being a Watchman is that the watchman, being a successful watchman, only flows through the heart of love. That's the only way that it flows because, see, you have to really catch yourself on why do I want to be a watchman? Why do I want it? See, he started talking to me about the high calling of being a watchman. And... In the high calling of being a watchman, you are overseeing something so that somebody else can go out in front and do something, which means you have to lay down your own rights to what it even looks like or who it's about or what you get to do with it. See, I think sometimes we want to be watchmen even to people that it will benefit me in return. Maybe, maybe it's that it will be a source of connection with somebody. Maybe it's that um, I'll get my mind off me if I go be a watchman for somebody else.
See, the being a watchman is actually being willing to completely lay down for somebody else. I love um, in um, in First Peter four and eight four eight. Uh, I'm going to read these two passages, and there could be a dual meaning here. And so if you can look at it from the lens that I'm talking about, um, in, in 1 Peter 4.8, it says, Above all, constantly echo, which the Greek word echo can also mean to maintain, to possess, to keep, or to be so closely joined to something that you become its echo. In this case, we join ourselves so closely to God, to God's love, that we echo his forgiving, fervent love toward one another. God's intense love for one another, for love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Okay, so remember canopy. Okay, remember the canopy. So in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind. It refuses to be jealous. Say refuses. Refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Let's be real. Where are you in that scenario? Love does not brag about one's achievements, nor inflate its own importance. Let's be real there, too. Do you think about that being love, or do you think about, I'm just needing my soul soothed, if you do that? So, love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated. This is a good one. It says, or overly sensitive, having sharp edges. Or quick to take offense. Brian says, or resentful, or does not keep score. The Aramaic can be, can be translated, love does not store, does not stare at evil. Love will overlook offenses and remain focused on what is good, refusing to hold resentment in our hearts. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. This is the passage. Love is a safe place of shelter. Say shelter. Or love bears all things. Although commonly understood to mean that love can bear hardships of any kind, the nominalized form of the verb, verb something, I'm not going to say it, is actually the word for roof found in Mark. Paul is saying that love covers all things like a roof covers the house. Love does not focus on what is wrong, but will bear with the shortcomings of others. And like a roof protects and shields. You could say that love springs no leak. It is a safe place that offers shelter, say shelter, not exposure, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up.
So in those two passages, this is what the Holy Spirit was showing me, that the watchman is providing the roof, the shelter for others to come and to be able to do whatever God is having them be, do, doing, whatever. And so the, the heart and passion of the watchman has to be for love to be at the very center, at the very core, and to provide a place of safety, a covering for others. And I love that, I love that it gives what love is. And so, personally, I love to read things like this because that gives me food for thought as I go about the day. That gives me food for thought with the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit can go, yes, Holy Spirit. Hey, what is that? Is is that love? What is this right here? And it's not a place of condemning. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, duh, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. It's easy. It's not hard. But if we don't practice the yielding to what the Holy Spirit shows us, then we don't allow the perfecting um, fruit of our lives to be shown and to be experienced. And so the watchman, the watchman's desire has got to be that, that it is one forged with trust with the Holy Spirit, that you're leaning in to really get the words for somebody and practice with the Holy Spirit, making sure that nothing else comes in to steal it or rob it. And, and you just need to, you need to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I actually have ill motives in my pursuits? And he's good. He'll show you it's not, it's not bad or wrong, but we want to know these things. I mean, I want to know these things. I, I think we all do in this house. I think we're all pretty hungry for him to really, um, be represented for who he is. I'll just keep it at that. I, I, whenever I was thinking about the watchman and, you know, I've heard the term before and frankly, you know, I, I can't say that I, it was really taught well to me. And so I think just how he's personally teaching me is through the lens of love, not through a task to do. Not, not I'm going to do this thing and check it off the list so that I can say I did it. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't want to have to, um, make myself have checklists so that I remember if I've done something or not. See, love, if love is empowering us in our pursuit, then it creates a sensitivity in us. And so then our, our ability to even be able to hear what people need, the more that we yield to love and obedience, then we get in tune with what the Holy Spirit is speaking. And so then I don't need all the checks and balances and, you know, 
whatever it is that you have to set up to make sure that you keep yourself and do do the right thing. You know, if you let love be the fuel for being an overseer of somebody's life, then you'll actually find joy in it. And it won't be something that you passed or failed in a day. I did good today. I didn't do good today. That's, see, Shidi let out with fear that fear has no home in us. And so perfect love is the only thing that has a home in us. That's it. That's the only thing that has a home in us. And um, let me just say just a few things of what love is. Love is the beginning of all things. Say all things. All things. Everything for dad starts and ends in love. Everything. Not some things. Everything. Everything. Love is the measurement of success. Not titles, not positions, not gifts, not talents. It's love. Do you aim for that? Whenever you think about being successful, what looks like success to you? Is it being on stage, being known? Is it having a high paying job? Is it being married with kids? Not being married with kids? You know, what, what is it for you? I, I, I don't know if I can actually express what the, that I feel like the heart of God is. And it is just, if I can just implant a hunger for you to want to learn how to love. Love in a way that you haven't been able to do yet. There's another level. There's another level to love. There's another laying down for somebody else. There's another empowerment that he wants to bring through the gateway of love. And I, you know, I'm... I am all about, as I said in the very beginning, I am all about signs and wonders and miracles. Like, I am so hungry for that stuff, man. Like, I I was born for that. Like, to see all this natural stuff is stupid. Like, I want to see God move. Like, I want that. But I've got to have the first bookend. I have to have it. I've got to have it from the standpoint of just wanting love to be known and be known through me. And so, you know, you can just begin to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, am I loving without motives? Am I loving using fear? Am I using intimidation? Am I, you know, there's so many different things. I can't even begin to, to say them all. But, you know, do you love to a certain extent? I was laughing because... You know, it's funny, but there's really different levels to, I'm going to use the word love, but there's really not. But for the sake of this, of what I'm going to say, there is, there's these different, different levels, you know, like I'll love you, but I need to know that I'm going to get something back. 
You know, like, like I'll love you, but I need to make sure you're not going to hurt me. I need to make sure that I'm safe before I'm going to love you. Or maybe it's, I'm going to love you at a distance because you really get on my nerves. You're not pleasurable to be around. You're kind of scratchy. And so I'll love you like this. Or I'll love you when it's convenient. I'll love you when it fits into my time schedule. I'll love you when it, I feel like it today. I feel good today. My emotions are good. I'm in my sweet spot. I'm going to love you today. What can I do for you? How can I lay down for you? What is it I can, what, how can I make happen for you? Then there's, I love you as long as it's not going to cost me something. Convenient love. Conveniently, I'll love. But see, I love the model of the cross because that was the real example of love, right? That's, that is the model. That is the example. Um, and I believe that in yes, in John 15, 12 and 13, it says, so this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you because we all, because we are all branches in one vine. If we don't love one another, it means that our fellowship with the vine has been cut off. Say cut off. To bear fruit must come from loving each other for the same Christ-like lives. I'm sorry. For the same Christ life lives within every believer. We are not branches of many trees, but of one vine. Say one vine. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. Say sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Sacrifices. That means, I don't know if y'all know this or not, but that means that you don't get something. That's deep, isn't it? Isn't that deep? So the sacrifice means that I don't, so you can. How good do you do on the I don't, so you can? See, I think in America, we have a really watered down version of love. Okay, are y'all with me? I've got 15 minutes. I, oh, there's so much. I have so much. Where am I going to go? In 1 John 4, I'm going to go there. 
I highly recommend this scripture passage. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I'm just going to start at 7. So it says, Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another. Because God is love, everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. I love that because I feel like that if you're longing for a greater level of intimacy with God, practice loving people. If you don't have intimacy with God, I would bet that your love isn't real high. I would bet that your love is conditional. If you want intimacy with God, love people. If you want a sensitivity to God, love people. If you want hunger for God, love people. See, sometimes we think if you have more of that, if you have more love, then that will empower you to do this other thing. But see, the truth is that he's already in you. He's already dwelling in you. He's already there. And so then he's already put it in you to be able to do it. It's You're not doing outside of him. You're not trying to work it up. You're simply leaning back and practicing letting him get out of you. Letting him have an outlet to others using your life. So remember, if you're hungry for intimacy with God, love people. Okay. See, I personally, I don't know if y'all remember, but I had a dream and I didn't even put this together until I was studying, but I had a dream about a new level of intimacy with God while I've also been on love. And so it was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, like you tied it in. Like, how is it that serving other people connects me to him? How, how is that? In my logical mind, it doesn't make sense. But it is, it's the, it's the sacrificing of your own self actually creates a tenderness towards him. It creates a hunger and a desire for him. I have this, this line. Um, so if you struggle with trusting God, See, trust and love, they go hand in hand. So since love is founded on trust, love and trust must go hand in hand. The more we trust God, the more we love him. The more we love him, the more we trust him. You can't. There's there's something about. There's the unseen things of God. There's the. There's the um, the thing that, so if I don't trust him, then that is going to affect the way that I'm able to be loved by him. 
That's going to change the way I'm going to be able to love others. That's why the enemy hits so hard at us being able to trust God. He will set up blockades. He'll set up all kinds of experiences that make sure to prove, okay, well, he wasn't trustworthy here. I've got to take the reins over here because I learned that that didn't work over here. And see, the enemy wants to get in with trust because trust will mess up everything else. It has a domino effect. And so if you struggle with trusting him, I would love to just incite you to really, 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 it's, it's not a thing to, um, it's not a thing to play around with. It's not a, uh, it's not something you get to choose if you do or not. I mean, you can, obviously we get the, we get the choice to live how we want to live, but if we want to walk in union with him, that's not an option for us. And we have to deal with places where we have mistrust because it will affect our ability, our ability to be able to receive love and give love. Since the intimacy of God is found in loving others, the more we love, the more we make room in our hearts to have the more of him. Do you want to make more room in your heart for him? Who can you love that isn't easy to love? Like, let's face it, in here, we're, we're all nice. Like, I, I love all of you. Y'all are all amazing to me. Like, I, whenever I see you guys, I don't focus on weaknesses. I don't focus on ways you bug me. Like, I don't, like, I'm not thinking that. Do you bug me sometimes? Yeah, that is true. That happens. Do I bug you? Absolutely. It happens. That's just, that's human. That's okay. But the the love is so far superior. Y'all are easy to love. However, let's talk about, let's talk about the people that um, have said evil things about you, said untruths about you. What do you do there? Do you say, okay, uh, well, I forgive you, but you can just stay over there. What, like, what's your heart motive? What, what are, what are you thinking? What happens whenever somebody flips you off and cusses you out? What do you do then? Come on, clerics. What do you do then? What do you do when... You know, you run across people that are just straight up just jerks. Do you want to return with like kind and be a jerk back? Or do you want to get all offended and act like they just hurt your feelings? And so then I got to separate because you're just mean. Like, what's your what's your thing? I got my thing. What's your thing? I know what I have to confront in me if something happens and I'm like, okay, hold on. This is the opportunity right here. What's your thing? You got to know your thing so that you know how you're being perfected. You're just being perfected. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go right here. I'm going to go right here. Okay, I'm going right here. 
because I've got five minutes. Five minutes. Okay. First John 4, 8 through 21. It says, the one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. That's pretty strong. That is really strong. The Bible doesn't just let you play patty cake. It's, it's real. It gets real real quick. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. Right? That good? That's a good word right there. What does it look like for Jesus to live in you, out of you? What does that look like? What does it look like for Jesus to be revealed through you to others? I just have a question. If I was to go to your community and I asked your community, how well does so-and-so love you all here? What does that look like? How well do you love? How do you look like Jesus? How, how, how does that work for you? I, I love that, um, you know, I love that Teresa talks about somebody that was in her life and, you know, they had a, a gift and a calling, but then outside of the gift and calling, then their character and the way that they express themselves wasn't uh, very good. We'll just go there. Um, you know, it's really easy to sit back and go, oh, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe he did that. But what would happen if if we went to your house, your community, and you got up here and you gave a prophetic word, you were talking about God's love, and then what is it like when you step into your house? Do you nitpick? Do you judge? What do you do when you get to your place of comfortability? What's the real thing that flows out of you? When you're sitting there thinking and the house is all messed up and it's supposed to be clean, what are you thinking there? What's your heart attitude towards the people in your community? See, that's that's our that's our world. Where you know, we've heard Teresa's world about that. This is our world, the same thing just in a different context. That it becomes a little bit more relevant. It becomes a little bit oh, okay. <clears throat> Love it. It's good. It's good. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. Delightfully, loved ones, if he loved us with such a tremendous love, say tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. That's an honor. What an honor. What an honor. 
that we had this love poured out on us and we get the opportunity to pour it out on others. That's an honor. I mean, I just, do y'all think about eternity very often? <laughs> like, I think about eternity and I think about, uh, this, is, this, is, this is the truth. This is how I used to think. I used to think whenever I got to eternity that I would be able to rattle off some good things I did and I have some kind of personal achievement for that. Man, see, that's good. Like, And they're good. They're not bad. Like, It is good to know that you're living a life that is rewardable. That's not bad. That's good. But I think it's gotten so much narrower in my mind. Like it is just, it's really just, it's a, it's pinpointed now for me. I think that it's all wrapped up in, did I, I already said it once, but did I love, did I allow Jesus to be displayed through me? Good. Did I, did I choose the harder road? more than I chose the easier road. Like for me, it's just narrow. Like it's not even about like gifts and doing things. Although I've already said, I want to do all those things and I want, I want to walk in higher gifts and all that. Cause I want to, for people to know him. It's not for me. It's not so that I can be like, Hey, I got this gift. It doesn't have anything to do with that for me. It really is that how they know is it's love, but it is also in power. It's bookends. It, it's, it's the two things that, that represent him well. And so then I want that to be said about me. And so then it's so less about trying to store up something in heaven. It's more about how can I just keep making myself lower now? And this is something we don't get another opportunity. This is the only one. This is the only opportunity you're going to get. So you can either just make it through heaven because you said you love Jesus, or you can do something that's actually going to be something that is beautiful for all eternity. Like, I don't, I mean, however many years we're going to live, 100, 115. Tisa and I both said we wanted to live to be 120 however long we're going to be here, that whole, all those years can be spent learning how to lay down ourselves for what's to come in eternity. Like this is such a small span compared to what is, what is expected, what we're going to have. It's, it's so tiny. And so then that makes you want to get rid of every small thinking here that interferes with what's rewardable. It, it's just, it becomes gross. Like, you know, I mean, I used to want things because I was insecure. And so then these things would make me feel secure whenever it's not true. Love is the only thing that makes me feel secure. But all those things become rubbish when love comes and invades your heart. So if you have motives that are all twisted, it's not, 
it's not something to be ashamed of. It's a place that you have to understand love because love wants to get itself worked in you and needed out all that stuff that interferes with love. Okay, I'm done there. So um, no one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us. And we make our permanent home in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and that we live in him. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience, say intimate experience, with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us. There's the answer if you struggle with performance or if you're struggling wondering if God loves you you have there's an intimate experience awaits you when you trust in his love for you it's not about your own ability to love him it's not about your own ability to do anything we rest in what he says about us that is amazing like it's not even about oh man he's gone first in everything so God is love those who are living in love are living in God. Who wants to live in God? Right? Live and live. And God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression. Say full expression. In us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. How much? Mm -hmm. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Our love for others is our grateful response, a grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have hatred toward another believer. This makes him a phony, because if you don't love a brother or sister whom you can see, how can you truly love God whom you can't see? Sometimes when I read that, I'm just like, God, do you know who we're looking at? Sometimes, you know. But that's okay. That's just stupid thinking. But verse 21, for he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also, must also demonstrate love to others. It is not a request. It is a requirement. It is a requirement. So we can't give what we don't have. To the level of love and trust we have in God will determine our ability to love others. 
as we grow into greater measure of his love by demonstration toward his kids, we develop a greater measurement of his trust. Let me pray for us. So, Daddy, we just count it an honor that we can give back what you so graciously have given us. And, Daddy, I pray that that your love would keep piercing through the darkness. Let love be known and be seen in us. God, may we be known as a people that love more than being known as a people of what we're against. So I just pray over each heart that I just speak a new hunger for love to be known in their hearts. I'm asking for a deeper level of hunger of love. And I pray that your perfect love would cast out all of the fear, all the feelings of not being worthy, all of the feelings of not being lovable, all of everything that relates to fear. May your perfect love pierce through the hearts of all those we meet, Daddy. We've been given much. Let us give more in return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.